The Accidental Entrepreneur is brought to you with the help of our sponsor, A. Weber, the world's leading small business email marketing and automation service provider. Since 1998, A. Weber has helped more than 1 million small businesses and entrepreneurs through its suite of web-based email marketing, automation tools, and education. A. Weber, the best option when it comes to marketing your business. The podcast is also brought to you by the Alternative Board. Since 1989, the Alternative Board, or TAB, has been one of the leading peer advisory and business coaching organizations for independent business owners and CEOs across the world. By facilitating peer advisory boards, private one-on-one coaching, and strategic planning services, TAB helps business owners improve their businesses in ways that change their lives. And be sure to check out our affiliate sponsor, One of One Productions, the New Jersey-based podcast studio that produces and edits both audio and video podcasts. They sell equipment for the avid podcaster and have even created a guesting kit exclusively for our listeners. And be sure to support the podcast by ordering some logo merchandise from our online store. Listen to all of our sponsors' commercials later in this episode and follow their links in the show notes to learn more about their products and services. Okay, welcome to another episode of the podcast. Today is a very special day. I'm very excited. We have a great guest, and today is our first live episode. So please send me texts or emails later if you saw us live. We'll definitely be on YouTube, hopefully LinkedIn and Facebook. And if you are uh, listening to this on a podcast directory because it's going to be re-released, be sure to like us. Give us a five-star review wherever you can because I know some of them you can, some of them you can't. If you're watching us on YouTube, be sure to hit that subscribe button to follow us and like us and all those other buttons you can push. Um, and uh, let me get on with the show. We'll start some credits. We've got some live read commercials today. And I got my good friend Chris to talk about blogs. And he's from Blogger Evolution. And uh, it's, we got a, a fun show for you today. So thanks for tuning in. And let's get on with things. The information provided in these episodes is for entertainment purposes only. It is not a guarantee of success or to be construed as advice of any kind. You should always seek advice from local licensed professionals before making any decisions. The dictionary defines an entrepreneur as a person who organizes and manages any enterprise, especially a business, usually with considerable initiative and risk. People often start a business without much choice, perhaps due to a job loss or just being dissatisfied at work, and they come up with an idea they just know can be successful. They become entrepreneurs by accident. That is to say their success or failure happens by accident, not with intention. My name is Mitch Beinhacker. I'm a corporate attorney and a business advisor. You're listening to The Accidental Entrepreneur, my podcast about how to achieve success on purpose, not by accident. Join me along with our monthly guests where we share our knowledge and help you get a hold of your business. And now on to today's episode. Hi, my name is Chris Miles. I'm a full-time blogger, YouTuber, and podcast host of The Blog Revolution. So uh, I'm excited to be here today. We're going to be talking about some really cool entrepreneur stuff. So if that's your thing, go ahead and tune right in. See you then. All right. So Chris Miles, welcome to the show. Thanks for joining me. Everybody can see you have a headset. You got all the gear. So you are a podcaster, a blogger, <laughs> and all the stuff. So I'm, I'm excited to have you on. I told you my first live guest, we're going to do one every month and, uh, you know, make some good stuff. This new studio is great because I can like play the music and it goes right in the video because I don't know how to edit video of my life dependent on it. I could do audio editing. So <laughs> why don't we, though, uh, introduce yourself a little bit. We'll go back to your background, where you're from, grew up, you, you know, how you got started. And I, I'm excited to talk about blogging because a lot of people don't realize that it's a tool you know, to use to become successful in whatever it is you're trying to do, which you kind of discovered as well. Does that make sense to start there? Yeah, yeah. Thanks so much, Mitch, for having me on. This is going to yeah. be exciting. The, awesome. the first live. All right, let's yeah. go ahead and do this. You, me, and nobody else is listening. Trevor Anderson. <laughs> well, let's, let's see if we can change that. All right. Yeah, absolutely. Start to build an audience. Yeah. So anyways, um, I guess when I first got started, uh, it was just uh, me and my wife. You know, we had jobs, but they weren't the greatest jobs in the world, just enough to kind of pay the bills. Right. Uh, we what had doing? The, we were, I was working in uh, at a, one of the big four uh, consulting firms, uh-huh. uh, tax audit consulting firms. Right, right, and, right. Um, I work, wife worked like for Accenture an insurance agency. Or, or Anderson uh, or Deloitte. Deloitte. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Right. And um, my wife was working at an insurance company at the okay. time as well. Sounds like and good jobs, right? 
Right. Exactly. Yeah. But, you know, I mean, shoot, I had a ton of debt uh, that yeah. I brought really into our marriage when we first got married yeah, you and, and never made enough money to really pay it off. It was always just making those minimum payments. Right. Month after month. And uh, because of that, and so much money had to go elsewhere before we could use it for personal stuff. Yeah. Um, you know, it just kept piling up and piling up and piling up. Right. And uh, a lot of stuff changed when we found out that we were going to be having our first son. Yeah. Um, his name's Benji. Um, you might hear him in the background. <laughs> but uh, when he... Um, when he, when he started, you know, his, his little journey to, into our lives, uh, my wife expressed to me that she wanted to stay home with him full time. Yeah, sure. And I remember saying, yeah, we can't afford that. Right, of you course know, not. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you need to at least have a part-time job or something. But um, she kind of sat me down and looked at me and like, no, we need to figure this out. Figure it out. Like, ah, okay. So I, I had to kind of put on my big boy pants. I went online. I Googled um, how to make money online yeah and i mean you could just imagine you're like looking what, for side hustles right to do yeah, side hustles but you can imagine mitch what kind of cesspool of stuff crazy stuff up, i know right? well that's right everything get we all have problems right because we try things we waste money we do this we borrow we're all in i think i heard this morning 14 trillion is the number of that's the amount of debt that we as households have yeah yeah man it's a lot I, and I, I will i will i'm not proud to say we were a big chunk of that <laughs> At the time, at the time, yeah. but uh, man, it was it was crazy. Um, I right. tried a whole bunch of stuff. A lot of it didn't work. Yeah, it um, doesn't. So I ended up stumbling across blogging and affiliate marketing, and I went through the whole you know doldrums of trying to figure it out and learning it. Followed a few people, and then ended up having a couple successes, having a lot of failures. Right. But I eventually, you know, kind of I don't want to say I, mean, I hate the word crack the code, but I kind of figured it out yeah, and well, understood you know, the whole process. Time. Now, Chris, yeah. for the people that are listening, because in the opening we do have an affiliate sponsor, our productions company, One of One Productions. Could you explain to people listening, like what affiliate marketing is? Yeah, you know, I like to use the example, Mitch, of uh, let's just say I have a I have a favorite pizza place. It's like literally around the corner and we go there all the time. And uh, it's to the point to where like when I walk in, everyone's like, hey, Chris, you know, <laughs> you know who I am. I want your autograph, you know, something like that. I, I don't know about that far. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, you know, let's just say we went there so often that one day the manager walks up and says, hey, you know what? You come here all the time. You obviously enjoy the pizza. Um, how about every time you tell a friend of or family of yours to come over yeah. and they buy some pizza, I'll give you 10 bucks. I'm like, oh, that's, that's pretty good. You know, so yeah. let's just say I went ahead and I told my friends and family and, you know, maybe five people went 50 bucks. You know, okay. what if 10 people went and make 100 bucks. But what if I found a way to tell a thousand people to go buy that pizza? Yeah. All of a sudden that $10 adds up pretty quickly. Pretty right? quickly, yeah. And that's basically what affiliate marketing is. You find products that you like and enjoy and then you uh, tell other people about them. You promote it to other people. It's a win, win, win for pretty much everybody because the manufacturer of that product gets to make a sale. Right. The, Doesn't spend uh, money on marketing ahead of time. Exactly. Yeah. The um the buyer gets uh, uh solves their problem, whatever issue that they were having, like with the pizza place example. Yeah. They were hungry. They wanted some good pizza. Right. Now they're they solving. Now they're good until you said this is a good place to go. Facts. Exactly. Right. And then I, as the affiliate, who's kind of like the middleman, who just really introduced the customer and the brand, uh, get an affiliate commission from it, and the manufacturer doesn't even have to pay me. Any, um, so they don't like have to pay automatic. me any benefits or they don't have to pay me any, right, you know, like 1099. Uh, exactly. Right. Oh, I'm right, just, right. I just get the commission for the sale. Right. I wouldn't have made anything had I not made the sale, you know, and so you it's kind of, sort of a link for them. Right? The person, the buyer clicks a link so they know that it came from you and then it exactly. goes to the. Right. Got it. Okay. Right. So the cool part about that whole process is that I don't have to own my own product. And if there is, if something happens on the other end, like if they made a bad pizza that day or something, they don't call me, you know, complaining. Right. They call the pizza place complaining. Right. So it's the same difference with the affiliate marketing. I don't need to own my own product and I don't have to deal with customer service yet. I get to make the commission just by being the middleman, introducing the brand and the I customer. mean, I guess in theory though, you could be, somebody could, you know, give you a bad review or something say, Hey, oh, Chris recommended this company and they suck. Right. I guess you always have that risk. Yeah. Well, that is always a risk. And yeah. here's the issue. There is a lot of uh, companies out there that pay really, really well when it comes to affiliate commissions yeah. and the products are trash. Like right. they really are. Yeah. And a lot of them are trash for a reason. So if you do start to promote a product and you start to get a lot of returns on it, you diligence. might need to look back at yourself yeah. and be like, okay, why am I really promoting this? Is it really good? Which is why I say you need to choose a product that you like and that you right. actually enjoy and use often, you right. know, like, like the pizza place. I love that pizza. So why wouldn't anyone else? Right. 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 
Now, if they now if another pizza place around the corner was just like, hey, we'll give you 30 bucks per pizza and the pizza was trashed then I'm selling my soul, basically, just to make a few bucks. And right. I'm not going to have I'm not going to be able to retain an audience for very long. Right. If they keep of, raising uh, the fee, eventually you'll be like, you know, your pizza sell, tastes pretty good. Now that you're yeah. paying me 50 bucks a pie, but you know, people only pay why 20 bucks a pie as it is. Right. So they can only, yeah. so no, I, I find it funny. You know, I remember a long time ago, uh, gal Gadot, who's like wonder woman. Yeah. In the movies, wonder woman, right. She, she tweeted something saying how great Android phones were or something like that. <laughs> and at the bottom of the tweet, it says posted from iPhone. So <laughs> that, did it really? Yes, exactly. That's and, funny. and the whole idea there is the fact that obviously Android was paying her to say right. that. <laughs> and she didn't even realize that when she posts it from her iPhone, it says posted from iPhone. So that's what you try to avoid, you know, because yeah. now I don't I won't trust Gal Gadot on any type of, right, uh, of electric decisions that I could have yeah, been making. Right. But um, you see the point of enjoying and using a product and then becoming an ambassador of it. Right. And there, there must be thousands of companies that have avil- affiliate programs, right? I mean, you know, almost everybody does. It doesn't cost them anything. So what, what do they care? Yeah. Well, I mean, every company or at its core, every company wants to make more sales. That's yeah. essentially why they exist so that they can make more money. And usually you have to pay money to acquire a new customer. Yeah. But with affiliates, they already have the audience or they know how, they know how to go out there and get the audience that would be interested in your product. And because of that, they don't have to pay to acquire that customer outside of giving you the affiliate commission, which usually right. is how much they would normally pay to acquire a customer anyway. And they right. just give it to me as they have no risk because they don't pay it. To and there's no risk. Sale. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. All right. So let's talk a little bit about that because you, you said you were, you were um, looking into it and you kind of cracked the code. And I mean, what, what did you do? Did you find like an Academy on affiliate marketing or did you just kind of run into a company you liked and started figuring out on your, on your own to do? Yeah, and that's a kind of a funny story there, Mitch. So um, when I first got started with it, um, I stumbled across this guy online. His his name of his channel, his YouTube channel was called like the Lazy Stoner. Okay. And basically the whole idea is he was this guy who doesn't do any work. He just kind of sits there and press buttons on the computer <laughs> and it just makes him passive income. Yeah. I didn't realize stoner. that was his stoners that are not lazy. I don't think so. <laughs> I didn't realize that that was really like I was a very new marketer at that time. Yeah. Right. So I didn't understand that that was really that was his angle. That was his yeah. shtick. Right. That he was using. But he actually worked pretty hard. <laughs> you know, it's just that he didn't didn't seem like it. Right. So uh, I was following his stuff and he posted uh, this like YouTube series of how to get a blog online and get it making money very fast. I went through the whole process. Right. But unfortunately, in a situation like that, you don't know what you don't know, especially when you're brand new. Right. So I followed his example. I posted my website and just sat back and waited for the money to roll in. And as you can guess, like zero dollars rolled in at all. Right. Um, and and what I found out later. Had different products and links to different companies? What, what was it at that point? Yeah. So it was an, it's what you would call like a niche blog or an affiliate blog where okay. um, it was about road bikes of all things. I'm not even remotely interested in road bikes, but I thought that that would pay a big commission. Right. Um, right. So that's how I learned the whole example about actually loving what you promote. But yeah. um, I went through the process. Like, I think I spent months setting up that website and nothing happened. And what I ended up finding out was the information that I was following from this guy was uh, kind of stale and outdated. Uh, it was new to me because I had yeah. never heard of it, right? But it was it was old. Yeah. Um, as a result, I went on Fiverr. You know, Fiverr is a place you can go and down and yeah, uh, pay people to do like little yeah. things for you. Right. And this guy said, "Hey, I'll send you ten thousand people to your website. Just pay me five bucks." And I was like. <laughs> No brainer, right? right? So I paid him five bucks to go do that. And uh, as a result, with the things that I was doing incorrectly before, plus with paying for that traffic that I shouldn't have done, um, I ended up getting my website de-indexed from Google, meaning it was yes. taken out of the index. Yeah. So let's stop for a second. Yeah. A lot of people read about that. You know, you want to get 10,000 followers on your YouTube channel. You, you can buy these followers. And all of the the algorithms and the search engines, they figured this out. They know that it's artificial and you yes. should never do that, right? Because it, like it, you said, you got delisted on yeah. the internet. We're talking the whole world, right? Yeah, like if you went on Google and Googled the name of the website, it, it would not come up like at all. Right. Uh, and a big reason knew, for that. These people, they weren't really like organic followers, right? No. Well, they weren't followers per se. They were just people he was sending to my website. Got it. At the end of the day, they weren't people. It was just some computer Big program traffic. that he yeah. yeah that he created that it was but just the whole idea, traffic. right? Is that if you have 
a lot of traffic, in theory, your website becomes more important to – so that's how the algorithm figures out that it's not real traffic. So they, they make you less important, not more important. Yeah, so there's some metrics that Google uses to uh, assess the traffic that comes to your site. They can tell where it came from, whether it yeah. was direct or whether it came from Google or Facebook or Instagram or TikTok or whatever. And then they study how long they stayed on your site. Did they click through a few pages on your site? Right. Um, that's not anything a bot's going to do, at least not make it look natural. Right. right. Um, yeah. So they weren't doing those things. And as a result, I think they were landing on the site and splitting within like two seconds, you know, yeah. and uh, that's a terrible signal to Google. They were like, oh, this is another spam website. Boom, got rid lost. of it. Done. Yeah. Okay. So uh, that was a learning experience because that was a lot of time and effort and money wasted um, at yeah. the time. But I eventually um, stumbled across just uh, an actual training of people who were actually doing this live right then and there and a lot of them were full-time bloggers at the time too so i was able to kind of tap into their genius i guess at the time yeah, well that's what you do don't reinvent the wheel find people no, that right. are doing it right not wrong unfortunately sometimes you find the scammers so yeah so i had to pay a bit of a premium to get into that uh okay. into that little world or whatever but it was invaluable because it saved me a ton of time yeah um within about 18 months of doing that um i was able to have my wife quit her job um really about two years into that and i was able to quit mine and uh it got to the point to where it became a waste of time to go to work uh because really? i was making more money you on became the side a hustle. lazy stoner yeah <laughs> well i wasn't being lazy I, i'll tell no, you that i was still working, working hard yeah but it was I, I realized that all of the work i was doing at my previous employment um if i had taken that same amount of time and put it into my side business then it should grow, you know? Right. Um, I did that and it did. And it, it grew a lot uh, for a while and it was doing yeah. pretty well. Yeah. So, um, so let's make it clear. You're an entrepreneur mm-hmm. and your business is a company that sources affiliates, like finds products that you like, and then you make it through affiliate just by promoting their product, right? Yeah, essentially, essentially. Yeah. So a lot of, um, people out there when you go online and you start looking stuff looking up stuff on affiliate marketing or whatever people will will shout out it's the greatest marketing or the greatest way to make money and i tend to agree but what a lot of them leave out is that you need to get not just traffic but kind of what we were talking about relevant traffic right to these affiliate offers um i used to always tell people you don't want to sell stethoscopes to lawyers right right? because lawyers aren't interested in that that's for sure i don't care how many people I have who are, you know, reading the blog or following me or whatever, if they're not interested in what I have to promote, then I'm going to make zero dollars. So what I do to fix that traffic problem is I create websites. I create blogs that talk about these niche topics. And then I partner with these businesses and these other companies and I create articles that draw traffic from Google. And then as people find it, I answer their question and then I recommend them to go purchase a product here or there to help them out of whatever jam they happen to be in. And uh, by doing that, I get an affiliate uh, sale from it. So it does become increasingly passive over time because as traffic is coming to your website, yeah, you, you, you only got to write that article content. once. Right, you yeah. built up content. Right, exactly. Like, right. you know, even though people might be looking at us live right now, or if you listen, yeah. there's going to be people in the future who's going to be listening to this on the replay. Let's hope so, because right now my wife, right? my friend Barry, and maybe my son. So, yeah. <laughs> but you know, the, the cool part is you only have to do this work once, and it's out there. So you're creating right. like little copies of yourself over and over and over again well, that's for the, many people to find. Internet. Right. Exactly. Due to the Internet. Right. Yeah, and exactly. that's really the beauty of it right there. Now, is that some of the things you learned at, at the well, let's call it the, the affiliate academy? I don't know what it was. It was some <laughs> sort of a course you joined, right? A community. Is that one of the things you learned was, listen, you, you can't just sign up and take a link and put it on a, on a website. You have to create content that search engines find that people search for that read about what you're saying about that company or the product. Right. Yeah, essentially, because they showed me the how to get traffic. Yeah. Um, if you know how to get traffic, you know, and when I say traffic, I mean people to your website, people to your podcast, YouTube video, whatever. Um, when you get people, interested people, and you learn that skill of doing yeah. that, you know, you're going to be able to find a way to make money the rest of your life, you know, if you know how to attract an audience. Yeah. So they taught me how to blog effectively and use what's called SEO or search yeah. engine optimization. Right. People hear to, the term all the time. They don't understand it. It's very difficult to understand. Yeah. Well, the cool part about SEO, Mitch, is that it has a very high return on investment, um, usually because if you're doing it right. 
if you're doing it right, correct. Because uh, you can go and start running Facebook ads. You can start running YouTube ads. You can LinkedIn. You can do all of these ad, ad networks, and you're just giving them money, giving them right. money. But if you don't have a good way of getting that money back on the back end, yeah, then you're gonna just you're just giving Mr. Zuckerberg, you know, your paycheck for no right. reason. Yeah. So, um, but the cool thing with SEO is it takes a little longer to ramp up. You know, you can pay, you can turn on Facebook ads today, you know, and it will start working. Um, but with SEO, it takes a little bit of time to ramp up. But once it's ramped, you don't have to worry about it anymore. So the amount of money I might pay to get SEO up and running, or if you don't have a budget to begin with and you're creating the content yourself, then, you know, you're just kind of paying with time at that right. point. Then you're getting consistent traffic to a website. Google's one of the most consistent traffic sources on the planet and has been for 15 Forever. years, you know? Right, right. So um, there are billion-dollar companies that are built upon what Google does. So right. I just kind of build my little small, you know, spot in the internet right here for this niche blog, and then I'll buy it, I'll sell it later, and then I'll go make another one, and then I'll sell it later. And um, once these websites reach a certain amount of money per month, you can sell them just like you would any other asset, just any other business, Wait, and so make people, a pretty good uh, income. You talk about the it. blog itself, or the blog itself, yeah, because of the traffic that you're getting, traffic and the income, traffic. Oh, and so the, the income. affiliate income is actually right through that particular blog. Like it's almost Correct. like a lead magnet. People read it, and then if you want, click on this, and then it follows them, and. You get yeah. So, blog. for example, um, I have a golf blog, right? Okay. And in the because go- I'm just a golf fanatic. So, with <laughs> golf, let's just say I write an article that's like how to fix um, a slice or something like that, right? Okay. So, I will write an article and I'll SEO that article, whatever. And what, um, now, to explain what SEO the article means, it's looking for the proper keywords that are being followed on the internet. Is that what SEO mostly is? Yeah, so search engine optimization is just a, a way to convey to Google what your article is about so that they can present it to the right person who's okay. looking for it, all right? So when I SEO, quote unquote, an article, yeah. all I'm really doing is taking my target keyword. So in this instance, how to fix your golf slice or something, okay. that would be the keyword that I'm targeting because essentially what I would want or ideally is what I would want is when someone goes to Google and type in how do I fix my golf slice? My website pops up. They right. click on my website how and read my stuff. How do you determine why that's a good keyword or not a good keyword? Oh, say that last part again. How do you determine why? Like you want to write something about golf, right? You have an affiliate golf, I don't know, company. They make they make clubs or whatever. Yeah. And you want to write this blog. So how do you determine that writing about a slice, for example, is better than writing about putting or something like that? Well, essentially, I'd probably write about both at some point on the blog. But uh, usually what you're trying to do is create what's called topical authority. Right. And because Google wants to, you can't just write one article on golf and just expect to rank. Right. Um, That used to work like 10 years ago. It doesn't work today. So you need to establish topical authority. So I might write 10, 20, 30 articles just on golf, just so I can show Google that, Hey, this is a golf website. Right. right? And when they do that, then, I will make a determination if I should write this article or not. And I do, I do that usually based on how much traffic that article would potentially get if I was able to rank on the first page for it. And then also the monetary element of it. If I ranked for this keyword, how could I monetize it? How could I make money from it? So just for example, I can partner with a golf brand that has yeah. clubs. Okay. And it might be a specific club that does this or turns left or whatever that helps you with your slice. Right. Yeah. So if I can get people onto my website who are interested in fixing their slice, I can give them maybe five or 10, you know, quick, quick hitters saying, Hey, this is how you can fix your slice. You can fix your grip. You can do this. You can do that. And then I do that all the way through um, the blog post, but then throughout that blog post, or maybe at the end of the blog post, I'm going to have a call to action. And a call to action is, by the way, I use this club and it really helped me with my slice. You might want to click on it and check it out yourself. They click on it. Now they are they are cookied, I guess you can say, or they are now, um, it's a tracking link that right, they like clicked tab. on right, exactly. or an affiliate link. Right? Yeah. They click on the affiliate link. They now go over to the brand. And if they buy my recommendation in like 30 days of clicking that link, then I get an affiliate commission from it. Right. And that's essentially how it is. So I'm drawing people onto my blog who are interested in a particular topic because they're interested in that topic. I can naturally know what else they would be interested in as well. Kind of like, you know, golf magazine will have watches in it, you know, from uh, advertisements or other golf right. brands in it. I'm doing that same thing, but essentially on my website. Now, do you, is there a way that you can capture these people so you can 
reach out to them again, like because the blog essentially becomes like a mini funnel, right? The correct people are doing a search for sli- you know how to fix my slice. They end up on your thing. They read your 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 uh, your article, tells them all kinds of things. At the end, they click to look at the club. Do they also click on something to capture their email, or is there a way that you capture their email? Yeah, yeah. So. Most blogs, you need to start capturing email with it. Yeah. And it's really helpful because you can then remarket to these people as in market right. to them over and over and do over. You do like a lead magnet. You give them like a like an ebook or something if they put their. Yeah. So on my golf blog, I have what I do is um, a free giveaway. Right. Yeah. So because I do the golf blog, sometimes I get sent product just to try it out so I can write a review on it. So because I get to keep it, I'll just give it away after I do the review. So um, essentially, like once a month, I'll, I'll run, I'll send an email out to people and say, hey, I got this new thing. You know, if you want it, you know, either let me know or I'll use it as a way. Um, kind of, essentially, I I pick a random, I pick a random subscriber, Got it. but I use that as my lead magnet when someone lands on the website. So if someone lands on the website, a pop-up comes up saying, Hey, do you like free golf stuff? Then sign up for, um, what you call it. So now I have this email list of people who are interested in golf, which means I can, I don't want to just sell to them all the time, by the way, you do need to provide value as much as possible. So just once a week, I send an email with a whole bunch of maybe new blog articles that are on the site maybe a couple of tips that I learned, maybe a story of what happened when I went golfing earlier that, that week. And then at the end of it or towards the, I'll maybe have a sponsor on and say, Hey, by the way, you know, you can go click here and then go yeah. get, you know, a free thing here, a free thing there. And then just once a month, I just make sure I say, Hey, I'm giving away this. I'm doing to a free subscriber or something. Check it out. And yeah. um, that's how I do that with email. And that's a whole nother real subject, you know, to dive into right. because you can make a decent amount of money with just a site as well, but it's much easier to, promote and have instant traffic to places by right. already having an email list that you can just really tap into whenever you want. Yeah. I think, I think one of the recommendations they tell to anybody, if you want to build a, uh, you want to build your podcast, promote your podcast, you want to part of your business, build an email list. It's like the first thing. It's so all these people yeah. are coming, they're raising their hands. They're like, Hey, Chris, I read your article and all this stuff. You want to capture them and tag them and know that they're interested in, in this particular area, topic, whatever industry. Yeah, it goes a long way because, I mean, yeah. a lot of people might say that email is old or dead or whatever, no. but we check our email every single day. Now, we get bombarded with email, so you do have to do something to kind of right. have yourself stand out from golf, the rest. You see it pop up, and they've they've subscribed to you. They've opted into your list. Yeah, that, you know, they're probably going to look at it. They might, might not be interested to them then, but they will but they see your email on a regular basis. They remember that you're keeping in, in touch with them. It's so so important it's so overlooked i talk to so many people i'm like well let's say they're not even blogging they have a you know a brick and mortar business and they yeah. also have an online presence and they're like uh and and i would say to them well you're building an email list yeah i really need to do that i meet a lot of people i yeah. <laughs> i mean you're passing up gold and it, it's not uh yeah yeah absolutely it's, it's so much easier and cheaper to retain a customer than to get another one right cheaper. so because of that, you know, it would be very wise to start building an email uh, email list sooner rather than later. Yeah. Um, usually with a niche site, you know, because it does take, you know, a couple of months for it to ramp, um, you could probably get away with not capturing email immediately. Right. But um, once you started getting consistent traffic to the site, I would do something to start capturing email addresses, come up with some type of lead magnet that your audience would be interested in. And then you can create an email sequence. Um, I know you guys say that you use AWeber, yeah. right? Yeah, you use an email right. sequence. Right. You can set it up for 52 weeks yeah. and not touch it again, you know? Right. Uh, so it, I mean, it works out amazingly well. You can drive traffic back to your website. You can send people to affiliate offers. And all of a sudden, you know, the site's getting traffic from Google and you're automatically sending emails, that frees up your time to go do something else, you know, right. or go do something yeah. more. AWeber, ha- and I, the other services have this feature too, but on AWeber, if somebody gets added to my mailing list because, uh, you know, you set up a meeting with me through my, cal- through my Calendly program or whatever, and it adds your email or your subscribe, they automatically get a five or six email drip campaign about my practice and the podcast and all that stuff. So you could set up various lists and various, you know, the 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 golf list and the you know the bourbon list and the cigar list or whatever <laughs> and set up a series that every time somebody gets added automatically they get these emails that are spread out and and offer them information and then you know go from there and and a lot of people it does yeah. take some work to do all that stuff but so does the blogging you got to write this stuff well I'm, and and, and that's kind of what something 
a lot of people who jump into our industry, you know, because people are shouting from the hills, passive income, passive right, income, right? And usually passive income is not usually very passive. Right. Um, you know, so you have to work on it. So the cool part about what blogging does is that, you know, if you post something on Facebook, it might yeah. last for a few hours. If you post it on Twitter, it probably lasts for a few minutes. Right. You know, if you post it on um, uh, YouTube, you're probably going to get, you know, maybe a few months out of yeah. it. Um, if you post a blog, the average stick time for a blog is usually anywhere from eight to 24 months, you there know, you especially if you can rank for it and not a lot of people even know that it exists or whatever, right. then you can rank for years. I'm doing keyword research sometimes and I'll find blog posts that are ranking for stuff that was posted in 2010. Really? And it's still ranking today, you know, more than a decade later. Yeah. Like there's not many things that you can do that literally 10 years later, it's still getting you traffic and still getting you income. It's like evergreen. Yeah. And that's what I like about blogging is that you can literally write articles once and not have to touch them again for a year or two. And it can consistently give you traffic. There is an 80-20 to it. Some yeah. articles are not going to do as great. Some articles are going to literally kick it out of the park. So it really just depends on that. But you got to throw enough at it to give the algorithm and Google enough opportunity story. to yeah. be able to give you um, the traffic that, that you should get. Yeah. Okay. So um we're going to take a uh, commercial break. I'm going to say something about AWeber and about the alternative board. And, you know, they support me, so I got to support them. Um, but maybe when we come back from the break, it's only going to be a, probably 30 seconds or a minute, we can talk about, you know, blogger evolution and blogging because this isn't just about affiliate marketing. Like, that's your business. And people can make money doing affiliate marketing. But I don't want people to overlook the value of blogging for any business, right, and becoming an authority in in any area and what it does to your internet presence and what it could do to your business. Like, I, I don't want people to overlook that, that you were successful in blogging and in affiliate marketing doesn't mean it doesn't translate. And it does, right? Oh, 100%. Yeah. So yeah. when we come back, we're not going anywhere. You and I will stay on the screen. I'm going to read <laughs> these out, live read commercials, and then we'll we'll get back into it. Sounds good? Sounds great. All right. Here we go. Are you looking to market and grow your business? Or perhaps you're just getting started and want to hit the ground running. AWeber is the best choice for online email marketing and automation for your business. From maintaining a subscriber list to drip campaigns and landing pages, AWeber gives you tools and integrations that make marketing easy and fun. And I mentioned before, as our partner and sponsor, we use their tools to promote the podcast, to market the law firm, drip campaigns. There's automatic things when people... Um, when there's a new blog that comes out, it'll automatically send out emails. There's all kinds of great stuff in there. Unlike some of the other services, they have live people to help you through things to give you customer service. They are definitely, in my opinion, uh, the best alternative for online marketing. We are an affiliate of them as well, and they do support the podcast. In addition, our newest sponsor, which just came on this month, is the Alternative Board. For over 30 years, the Alternative Board, they also call it TAB, has built a thriving community of forward-thinking CEOs and business owners who want to radically improve their companies. Through unique combinations of one-on-one -on -one business coaching, participation in monthly TAB board meetings with other non-competing owners, a suite of strategic tools and customized strategic planning workshops, TAB membership can deliver greater strength to your business, and a better work-life balance for you and your family. It's all packaged in a streamlined and affordable service, and they invite you to try it risk-free. And I am a big proponent of advisory boards, having a mentor, working with people, coach, whatever, even if it's one or two people to start to help you with your business, to give you ideas, and you can give them ideas because you can't do it on your own. You got to sound things off. And the alternative board is a great, um, a great uh, program. And I welcome them and thank them for coming. So, Chris, let's get back to things. I want to talk about, you know, the blogging process and, you know, what's involved with, you know, where do you start? Do you, do you buy domains every time you think of a topic? Do you go to, I don't know, is blogger.com a thing still? Do you go to blogger.com and you're setting up all these blogs? And then how we can give advice to people who are entrepreneurs, maybe not in the affiliate marketing space necessarily, to get started, tips and tricks and traps to watch for and things like that. that yeah, yeah. So um, there is a lot involved, unfortunately, with blogging. Yeah. Uh, but uh, and it's, it's kind of it's tough to do it on your own. It really is. Uh, but it, it is essentially, you know, four or five things that you need to get done. First of all, you need to pick a niche. You need to pick or niche, depending on what part of the world right. you happen to be in. And that's when I say a niche, I mean a topic. Right. Yeah. So 
what is your website about? Um, once you've found out what topic or what niche you want to jump into, then you need to build a website. Right. And you can build a website by, just like you mentioned, you need to buy a domain and get hosting for it. I would not recommend using blogger.com, at least not now nowadays. Okay. Um, it's much better to be what's called self-hosted. Okay. Meaning you go to a place, one of the places like I like to use. GoDaddy or whatever, and you buy the, the actual domain? Correct. You buy the domain from GoDaddy. I like to set up hosting at a place called WPX Hosting, and uh, okay. they're they're excellent for what I for what I do. You can buy the domain through them, and they'll do the hosting. You could you do both with them. I typically keep my domains at a place called Namecheap, and then I just uh, route the domain to the hosting. Right. Um, it's at like the GoDaddy is just a competitor, right? Exactly. Right. Yeah. Okay. So um, you do that same thing. So I'll, I'll set up the website, and then after that, you need to create content that attracts that audience. Yeah. Right. And then that's the keyword research. That's the going online, trying to figure out what topics are not being served the best. What types of topics can I create better content on so that I can have a better shot at ranking in Google? And once you've created that content, you draw that audience, then you can turn around and monetize. And you monetize by a few ways. Affiliate marketing is probably my favorite way of doing it, but you can also do what are called display ads. So I'm okay. sure if you've been on a website, you've probably seen ads popping up yeah, or if you went to Amazon ads, earlier that yeah. day. All of a sudden, you go to another website, and then that same thing you were looking at earlier is right there on the sidebar. Yeah. You know, those are display ads, and the website owner gets paid for that also. Um, and that's another way that you can monetize a website. And then, so you uh, get, you're saying you have display ads from affiliates on your website because of this traffic that you have, or they're not affiliates actually. You can yeah. partner with companies like AdSense is probably the most popular one. Okay. Um, you can partner with Google and they can display ads on your website, like at the okay. top or popping up at the bottom or on the sidebar and all those things. But there's other companies that you can uh, partner with that actually pay you a lot more than what AdSense will. Okay. Um, so once you've partnered with those companies, you can monetize people who just land on your website and don't click a thing. Right. You know, um, right. they, they do pretty well. Yeah. Uh, so then once you monetize that audience, usually through affiliate and uh, display ads, then, you know, I'm setting up the business continually and then hopefully trying to optimize it so I can get more traffic and then more revenue. And then at some point, I mean, my idea is to either keep the website and just keep the recurring revenue that's coming in each and every month from it. Or I turn around and sell it and I can exit that site. And by exiting the site, I can get like a pretty big lump sum, usually anywhere from three to four years worth of how much you would normally make month to month. And, you know, okay. you do this whole process That's in about a, a year, it's year like and a half. Three to four times what your monthly average income was in the site. Yeah. You know, yeah. And uh, so, for example, um, right now, the multiples, they're usually mentioned um, monthly. So you can get a multiple right now for a well-designed site anywhere from 35 to 50 X. So right. let's just take the average. Let's just say 40x. Right. So if your site earns $1,000 per month pretty consistently over the course of three to six months, you can sell that site for, for anywhere grand. between 35, 40, you know, grand thousand dollars. Um, and if you can build up a site that makes $1,000 a month, you know, within a little under a year, probably if you do everything, if you do what everything you right. Probably 25 to 30 blog posts that some, a lot of which are drawing a lot of traffic. Yeah. Um, I would probably go around 50, 50. you know, it'll probably be a better number. Yeah. And that's if I don't plan on growing the site past a thousand dollars or more. Um, usually I have a content plan of getting a site anywhere from 50 to a hundred. And then I kind of reassess, um, where it is, how it's growing. Do I want to continue talking about that subject? Am I already sick of it? You know, right. stuff like that. And, uh, then hopefully get the site up to usually that magic number that you want to get a site to is about $2,000 to $2,500 because now you have a good shot at getting a six figure exit on that. Oh, business. it's more of a multiple. It, yeah. It's more of a multiple. So if I can get a site to 2,500 per month, 3000 per month, then I'm getting at a 40 X multiple on it. That's over a hundred thousand dollars that I can sell that site for and people buy it just to, or companies buy it just for the income. Yeah, well, it's it's an asset that's generating revenue. So it's a it's a business. Yeah, just like a corner store, you know, is making money, whatever you can buy it and and then continue with it. So some people like myself will buy blogs that are already in existence. And then maybe I see something on that blog that the current owner is not doing that I know I can make more money with. Right. 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 So 
based but on how much that dilapidated real estate you go in and you're exactly. like you know what exactly I can buy this for fifty and do something and it's worth a hundred. Right. It's risky, you know, yeah, because we're entrepreneurs. That, that's the definition of risk right there. Right. But uh, if you know what you're doing, and I've done this, you know, so many times, I can look at a website, see that they're not doing this, take a look at their profit and loss. Oh, you're not doing this. I can turn around and do one, two, three. Now the site maybe is making double the amount of money and I can sell it and essentially flip that site. Right. Right. Um, so that's one thing that you can do. And then once you've done that, you can sell the site and then make a pretty good uh, chunk of money on it. Yeah. So how long did it take you to figure out those things like where you could look at a site and be like, you know what? They're doing these three things wrong. I can definitely make something out of this. Let me buy it. Like, how did you get to that level? Yeah, um, I'll be honest. When I first started blogging, I had no idea that buying and selling blogs was even in the business, was, right. was even a thing. I didn't think um, it was. Back when I first started, the multiple was around 25, okay. uh, 20 to 25. Um, and just over time, <clears throat> it's just gotten a lot bigger. Right now, the average multiple is probably 35 to 40. And if you do other things, like let's just say your site's trending up, as in the traffic is continuing to increase each and every month, you have an email list, maybe you've diversified the traffic to not just be Google, but also Instagram or Pinterest or whatever, right. then you might be able to get around 50x multiple for that site. Um, because and a buyer or an investor is just trying to diversify their own risk, right? Right, and they don't um, want to build it from scratch anymore. And they don't uh, want to build it from scratch. I mean, in a lot, of, think about it. These big companies, they are doing the same thing. We're just doing it on a smaller scale. Right. Um, T-Mobile buys Sprint because, hey, we're bigger and we can absorb you and then grow. It's a growth method, right? Of course. Of being able to acquire um, another business. And it's cheaper for the company to buy your blog that you already put 50 articles out and you did all the work. And the beauty of it as well, portfolio, because maybe it leads to other things that they sell, right? They want to sell to these yes. people. Right. And then the beauty of it as well is that the concept is already proven as well, right? Because usually, <clears throat> excuse me, usually with a website or with a business in general, yeah. um, you can't really know if the business works until you have people who are actually taking out their credit cards and buying stuff, right? Right. So a business that is in existence and is already making money shows that the idea that that right. business exists Right. Shows that it's good. So I should be able to get it, through, sprinkle a little bit of spice on it and, you know, um, change the, the windows here, add a new bathroom there, yada, yada, yada. And yeah. all of a sudden I can flip that site. And if I spent, you know, like, I'll give you an example. I just recently acquired a site for like maybe fifteen hundred bucks. Okay. Um, you make a couple of changes to it. It was only making like um, maybe twenty, thirty dollars a month. I made like two or three changes to it. It's already making over a hundred dollars per month. Right. Wow. So I could sell the site right now and would have doubled my money. Right. You know, um, that's a lot better than what I would get if the money was, uh, in index funds last year. Right. I mean, yeah. it, they, the index funds got trashed last year. Right. Um, and you're, even then you're only really promised a seven to 10% on average return on your money. Right. And I doubled my money within a couple of months. Right. right? Um, and you can do that on much bigger scales as well. Right, but, but, you, you um, know, it's not for like, don't tell people to just jump in and buy blogs. You got to know what you're doing, know what you're looking yeah, for. Take experience, you know. I usually recommend people build a site from scratch first and understand that whole process and concept. Yeah. And then once you have exited that site, then you have some money that you can play with. Right. And you can go and buy another business. Um, I didn't learn all of this, you know. Overnight, overnight, obviously, right. right? Yeah. It was just a little one step here, one step there. There was a few things that I was like, oh, I would never do that. But then as I got more experience, I started seeing more and more value in learning that new skill and realized that, oh, maybe I should know how to do that. Yeah. Um, but it, it does require a bit of focus because there's totally shiny, shiny object syndrome in any business. But knowing what to focus on and when to focus on it. Um, Having a mentor is really helpful with that. I will say that. And yeah. I, I was able to have a mentor and I just asked some questions. And there was stuff that I would just waste so much time with, like website design or logos or this, that, and the other. He's like, no, 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 concentrate on this. Right. And it's like, all right. And then that I concentrated on that and I saw growth. Yeah. So yeah. it takes time. But um, if you have money to invest, a website is not a bad idea, in my opinion, because right. I, I do it all the time. Yeah. So I think, I think it's really important. Uh, you mentioned about niching down. A lot of people have their business and they're afraid if I niche down, I'm losing this customer and I'm losing this sale and whatever. Oh, yeah. But at the end of the day, you really, it actually is the opposite effect when you, right? When you, when you're very specific about something, you become an authority. Like maybe you have a retail store of some sort. You're not going to do a retail blog store and write about everything in your store because there's not, the traffic's all going to be 
muddled. It's going to be all mixed up, right? Yeah. So you got to pick like one particular thing that you sell or one particular type of item that you sell and become like an expert. So people who are looking for, you know, some particular kind of scarf made from some kind of material, they do a search for it. They're going to come up with your blog because there's so much material. And then you have them in your world and you can market yeah. to them and stuff like that. And I think people miss that opportunity. I mean, to you, it's intuitive, right? If I'm going to do a blog, uh, you know, I don't want to write a blog on, you know, coffee mugs. I want to write a blog on, this is the little, this is from our store. If anybody wants to. Merch store. Blog. Yeah. Merch <laughs> store. If, if you want to write a blog, you may want to do it on something very, very specific in that thing. And first of all, I think it's easier to create content that way. Plus, um, you know, you build up a following that, you know, specifically, they're specifically interested in that. So yeah. I think people got to get that from whatever it is they do. If you're a lawyer, if you're an accountant, if you're whatever, pick exactly the area where you practice or you want to practice or you're really good at and be very specific about what you're writing about. Yeah. I mean, I like to use the example of like your 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 doctor or your general practitioner, right? Yeah. You go to him and I mean, he gets paid a decent amount of money. Don't get me wrong. But if there's something specific that you need work on, then he refers you to somebody else. Right. And that's where they start charging you the arm and the leg. Right. right. Because they are specialists. Yeah. You know, um, so that's what you want to do. You want to niche down and really focus on one particular aspect of your niche. Um, there's an old marketing quote out there from, I think it's Meredith Hill, where she says, uh -huh. if you try to talk to everybody, you end up talking to nobody. nobody right. Yeah. So you need to niche down, talk to one specific group of people. Um, I remember I realized the day that I realized that not everybody is my ideal customer is right. the day that my business started growing. That's what they call <laughs> the ideal customer. Not that they've not, they've called yeah, the exactly. everyone customer. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, you have to be very specific into who your ideal audience is. And I think you know, you, you mentioned it in kind of in passing, but it really does make creating content a lot easier because you know who you're creating content for. Right. right? Um, if you're watching, you know, the cooking channel, or whatever, you know, the people know what type of person watches the cooking channel. So you're going to see commercials on knives and home products right. and this, that, and Profile. the other, because they know who they are. But if you're watching like E entertainment TV, you know, that's trying to be broad to everybody. So right. the commercials are a little more random, you know, because they don't know really who's watching. News, news feeds, news programs. Yeah, exactly. Um, I, I, I argue that, you know, going the more niche route is going to be the best thing. Um, I'll tell you a little ninja trick when it comes to blogging and even with like any that. brands, you know, I know people okay. like ninja tricks. Yeah. When it comes to naming your brand, be very broad with your name, something that is brandable but also can hit toward whatever your topic happens to be. But then when you're creating, when you start creating your content, be very, very niche in that content that you create, especially when you're trying to get a foothold early on. And then once you've dominated that one section of it, because yeah. you created somewhat of a broad name, you can now branch out to another section of the niche and then another section of the niche and another one. So you can go like my fitness you know, journey.com or something, right? Instead of calling it my cardio journey.com or my yada, yada, yada. Right. Now I could talk about anything fitness related, you right. know, because but you just do I, separate blogs about each specific thing, right? Well, in that instance, I would keep all of the fitness stuff under one roof. Oh, okay. Now I wouldn't necessarily start writing about golf on fitness, you right. know, maybe one little article that might talk about it, but for the most part, fitness is fitness and golf is golf, right? So they're two separate things and they would have, separate blogs but um something on fitness you know i can create i would focus early on on just cardio and then yeah. once i've dominated the cardio segment or i've written all the articles i think i can on that particular topic then i'll move over and start talking about another aspect of fitness you know yeah. it really just you know depends on that so start very general with your name but then start very targeted with your content and what's the best way you think to write content? Do you repurpose articles? Obviously, give them credit. It's not plagiarism. But um, or do you write your own stuff or, you know, and that's why you kind of have to like what you're doing, right? Because you got to know yeah. a little bit about it. So you when you, a lot you know, of content you're writing about it. golf, what do you do? Do you write it all yourself? Do you pull articles other places? What? How do you come up? I saw 50 articles a lot. Yeah, I normally will write maybe the first um handful of articles and then any articles that have to do with promotion. So like maybe it's a review of a product or right. um, something like that, or a top 10 best golf drivers or something like that. I might write those, <clears throat> but general information content, I have a team of writers that write for me and I just send them the content and then they spit back out to me, 
the um, the finished articles. And then either I or my editor will look at those articles and make sure that they're fact checked to make sure that they read natural, that they have a little bit of a story in them, you know, to keep people reading. Um, and then maybe I'll even step in and maybe infuse a quick little story within the article itself. You know, usually you can get an article written for about 40, 50 bucks, you know, right. especially on an informational post. Yeah. So you can um, get people, copywriters and yeah. Online. And I have systems that will, you know, create that content for me. And then once I have the content and it's been edited, I post it onto the site. And then if they have um, affiliate links or anything like that, that gets added into the article. Uh, if I have display ads on it, I make sure that that page is set up for the correct display ads. That way, when people find the article, as, as the second that the article makes more than 40, 50 bucks, you know, over the course of a few months from the traffic or the affiliate revenue, right. it's just profit at that point, you know? Yeah. And um, you do that over and over and over again. Again, some articles are going to do amazing, some not so amazing. So there is a, um, you know, Pareto principle there that you got to think about. Right. But um, once you've done it and set it up, more times than not, it's going to work out for you if you don't give up. Very good. So um, I think people, what they can take from this is, first of all, you don't have to do it yourself, right? You can no. hire people to write the articles for you and do it. But content is king, right? You, if you're going to get out there, and by the way, I was going to ask you, so if you're writing 40 or 50 articles, you're not going to write the articles and post them in three days, right? So what do you do? You post an article a week, you post an article a month. How do you, how do you build up that credibility? Yeah, that's actually a good question. Um, I get it quite often. But with blogging, yeah, if I have 50 articles done, I'll post them all right then and there. All at I, the same time. All at the same time. It's just it, content that people are going to search anyway. Yeah, it's different because you are building a brand, but you it's not the same kind of brand that if you had a podcast or a YouTube channel or something right. like that. With that information or the podcast or YouTube channel, then yeah, it would be better if you had a set schedule of when content is released. Right. That way you get people in the habit of looking for you. You know, um, with a blog, it's kind of different. People nowadays, people aren't, you know, they don't have favorite blogs, you know, usually right nowadays. Right. People have favorite YouTubers or they have favorite podcast hosts or something like that. So um with a blog, once the content's ready, I spit it out right then and there. The whole thing. The whole smash. If if it's there. If I don't yeah. have it, then yeah, I'll probably plan it out. So Usually with a brand new site, I'll blitz it. I'll get 30 articles out there as fast as possible. And then I'll slow down the production on it and maybe release a new article a week or maybe three or four a month right. or well, something like that. Well, you have like to create the content. But you're saying as fast as you can create the content, you're going to put it out there. Yeah, because a big thing with SEO is age, right? So I don't know if you remember the old the old school days of Google where you would um, Google a phrase or something and you would get like these terrible e-zine articles would pop up and right. – it wasn't helpful and it made right. it ticked people off because I'm trying to get something and I can't get it from search engines. That's why places like uh, Ask Jeeves and Lycos and all these other <laughs> search engines died. Yeah. And Google started taking over the world. And a big reason for that was because Google found a way to suppress bad content and have the cream rise to the top. Right. Um, that's a slow process, but it does work. Right. Yeah. So um, because of that, if you create good content, usually older content is trusted more than content that was just spit out last week. Right. So, uh, because with it that in mind season on the web. Yeah, exactly. Cause yeah. Google wants to see a pattern of you creating good content and giving good user signals from the people who are landing on your website before they trust you to give you more and more and more traffic. So because of that and that age factor, it's much better to get the articles out there and then start having that time start ticking Running. right then and there because it's going to serve you better in the long run than waiting you know, a year and only posting two articles a month. But there is a caveat to that. Okay. If you can only post two articles a month, that's better than zero. You know, right. That's better than not posting. I mean, you got to create the content. I'm not saying you shut down your business and write 30 articles and not be open for two weeks. Yeah. When I first yeah. got started in this business, I was, when I started seeing the returns, right. I was writing all the articles myself and I was churning out sometimes two and three articles a day just yeah. trying to get stuff out. Right. Um, and when I finally had enough money to be able to reinvest into the business, one of the first things I did was hired writers for yeah. me. So now I can hire a writer and virtual give them people, 40, right? 50 bucks. What's that? They're virtual. They're not. Oh, yeah, exactly. They're, yeah. they're virtual people. So there, there's different services out there that I use to uh, to get. I don't know if, if you want me to mention any of them. But, it doesn't um, matter. I'll, sure, you can. Okay. So um, one place that I use is called problogger.com. Okay. You can actually make a post, and uh, there's a lot of writers there. And you can say, hey, I need a writer who is knowledgeable about 
home repair, you know, who's, you know, who's out there. I'll get a whole bunch of resumes back. I'll send test articles out there. If I like the test articles, I'll bring them on board. Um, another one that I use is called writer access. Okay. That one is like a big pool of writers. And then I just put an article out there and then it gets picked up by those pool of writers. And if I like the writer, I put them on what's called my love list. If I don't like the writer, I block them <laughs> so that the next Got time nice. I put out um, some uh, an article that I need written, only my love list people are going to see it. So the people I've already worked with are going to be able to pull those articles. Got it. So it's like Fiverr or Upwork, but specifically for writers. But specifically for writers, it's, it's a great service. I've yeah. been using it for years and um, it's a good way to get content out there. But because I have so many people on my love list, I can punch out 50. Uh, I don't I rarely do 100 articles, but I can punch out 50 articles within a couple of weeks, you know, and then have yeah. it posted onto because the site. Because I'm helping you. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, exactly. You, as you as your business grows, as with anything, you start to realize um, how much you're your time is actually worth. Right. And uh, it's actually much better to, as soon as you have money to, um, to reinvest into your business, to pay someone else to write the article so that you can concentrate on more higher level things. And right. that's the whole kind of working on your business rather than in your business. Um, and that, that, you know, that, that goes to everything, you know, not just of blogging. Course. Yeah. Um, so being able to get help, you can start, you know, doubling your production, tripling your production. And the more that you can produce, the more traffic you're going to get, the more traffic, you're gonna, it's going to usually tend to more uh, sales and revenue. Yeah, well, now with these uh, these websites, the AI websites like ChatGPT, you could probably go on their website and type in, write me an article about how to improve my golf swing, and it would write you a whole article. <laughs> it, it can, and that is something that um, a lot of bloggers out there are kind of afraid of right I'm now. Sure. You know? Because they're like, oh, is this you know tool is just going to take our jobs or whatever, right? But you have to remember, the AI tools are getting the information from our blogs. So it's right. kind of a they're chicken or the egg thing. So if you don't put out any content, they won't be able to do anything. Yeah, exactly. And one yeah. thing that AI tools have, have yet to do, I don't know if they'll be able to do it in the future, but when a new golf driver comes out, the AI tool can't take it out there and try it out. You right. know, I mean, I can't just going to pull information from what other people write about it. Exactly. So there is certain types of content that I might shy away from creating because I know, because I know an AI can literally just spit out the answer in two seconds, but there's other content that an AI will never be able to create outside of just pulling it from people who have already done it. At which point I'm still, needed at that right. point, right? Yeah, exactly. But the more so, content um, there's out there, the more information. I, I actually went on one of those sites and asked it to write a legal document, which gets pretty complicated. You know, I've been practicing 30 years. It was frightening Yeah, how good this thing was writing the document. I was like, oh my God, I'm going to be yeah, I, I heard some. Um, I heard some people saying that they were actually afraid for legal people with how great the new, a I don't know if you heard that GPT-4 yeah. just released like two or three days ago. Yeah. And apparently it passed in like the 90th percentile. Yeah, it passed the bar. It passed the bar exam and the LSAT. Yeah. You know? And the first version was like 10%. And now and it's the first like version 90%. Is 90%. And that's just where AI is right now. You know, yeah. imagine what it'll be when they have GPT-5 and yeah. GPT-6 coming out. You so, know, the thing that the one advantage I have as a lawyer, right? I've been doing this 30 years. I've written thousands of contracts, worked with hundreds and hundreds of businesses. If, if this bot writes the uh, document for you, you still don't know like what, why these paragraphs are there, exactly. whether they should be or shouldn't. You don't have any professional to say, hey, this won't work here or this, this is missing this. You're just relying on the fact that it's accurate. Well, and that's the inherent problem too, Mitch, right? Because let's just say someone does create their legal documents just because chat GPT can do right. it. Exactly. And then they get sued and then they go sued and they, they go um, in front of a, a arbitrator or a lawyer or something. And they said, well, ChatGPT told me to do it. <laughs> that's right. not going to hold. That's not going to fly, I don't think. No, absolutely. Very well. So even the fact that you have a real living and breathing lawyer, you can at least have someone to complain to if things don't work out because they were supposed to protect you. You can't go to an AI and be like, well, the AI was supposed to do this for me. Right. Um, like, I mean, maybe we'll get to a time where people maybe. will be like, well, the ChatGPT said it must be right. It, right. It's going to take a while for that trust, really. Um, I mean, Google's been around for 15 years and people trust it. You know, Google has become a verb. You Google something, right? Um, it's going to take ChatGPT or any of these things a while before it builds that same trust with people to uh, where you can really hang your hat on what it has to say. Because as of right now, it still gets a lot of stuff wrong. Right. Yeah, I know. 20 years from now, they'll, they'll be like looking at us saying, you used to write your own articles. What are you <laughs> kidding me? You just talk to the computer and it writes it for you. 
Yeah. And at the end of the day, too, especially in the blogging space, you still need people to run these websites, right? Yeah. Um, You still need people who know what keywords to go after to make sure that you're getting traffic and then convert those people into sales. Of course. Uh, You know, people don't buy usually, you know, people don't buy just to buy. They buy because of people, right? If I trust this person and I know, like, for example, you know, you're you're a lawyer. I, I know that I can go to you to get certain things taken care of because I know you and I trust you. Yeah. Um, there's a big difference there than just spitting it into an AI tool and just waiting for it to pop out because, again, I don't know where it got this information from. It didn't even right. tell me. And even if it did tell me, how do I know that its interpretation is going to save me from being sued in the future? Yeah, exactly, exactly. Well, I mean, I think just the content game will change. It'll do, That's it will. what will happen. It'll be different. You can't just keep blogging for the next 20 years the same way you're doing it now. There's going to be different algorithms, more competition, more data. You know, I don't know. This is just going to be. It's just going to be different. That doesn't mean you can't adjust and keep. You know, making money. So, well, what have been some of your uh, bigger affiliate money makers in like what kind of products or what kind of industries? Yeah, um, digital products probably are going to always win out um, for me. Uh, so, for example, I mean, you can. I just recently started a musical instruments site, right? Okay. So, um, in this musical instrument site. You know, people can, let's just say I write a review on a saxophone or a trumpet or something, okay. right? So I write a review on it. People find it on Google. They click through and go buy the trumpet. I might get, you know, four, five, six percent from Amazon if they so do it. So this is an affiliate link for to buy musical instruments. Correct. Got right. it. Okay. So I might get five or six percent. Let's just say that that, what, uh, that trumpet costs 200 bucks and I get five percent on it. Okay. It's not a ton of money, you yeah. know, but it's something. And if you get it consistently, it's not bad. Ten bucks. But I would make more money if I found a, a learn how to play trumpet online course that maybe is 300 bucks. I might get 30 or 40 percent for that right. sale. Yeah. Yeah. So I would do better to do digital products than I do actual physical products. So normally when I'm creating a new site, I'm not just looking for what I can promote I'm all, um, in terms of you know physical things, golf driver, trumpet, saxophone, whatever. I'm actually looking, OK, what kind of digital courses can I also promote? Because people who land on these websites, they're they're going to be at least remotely interested in it, right? right? So I might have a good opportunity to promote it and see if I can get a sale from it. So um, getting digital products as well as recurring revenue is really hurt Big huge time, right? as well. So I might be able to sell a product for maybe less money, but if it's a service that people need to pay like month after month right? for, yeah. and then I get a commission for as long as they remain a member, then you know that recurring income really insulates your business as well, and yeah. uh, it does an excellent job at you know growing and growing and growing over time. As long as you're bringing in more people than are dropping each month, then you know you're going to always come out in the positive. So digital products and recurring revenue is going to be where you're going to make the most money with affiliate marketing. Okay, and also, where can they find out? About, like, where do you find out about affiliate programs? Is there certain websites you can go to? Do you have to just do searches? Do you go to bloggerevolution.com? I don't know what. <laughs> well, you should definitely go to bloggerevolution.com. Right. Or but, about blogging, right? Yeah, exactly. But um, no, so affiliate programs are everywhere. Um, usually, I tell people to start with products that they use themselves. And because if you're just using it, they, they obviously programs. was effective. Just go to their website, see if they have affiliate programs. Yeah. Most of the time you can go to these websites, scroll all the way down to the bottom, and you're probably going to see something that says uh, affiliates or partner program or partnerships or whatever. And you can partner with these companies. Right. Um, there are some, I guess you could say, uh, aggregate places that you can yeah. go to, directory. Right. So one would be sharesale.com. Okay. Another one is CJ or Commission Junction. Okay.com. Another one that I don't really use because a lot of the products there aren't the greatest is clickbank.com. Um, Clickbait? Clickbank. Clickbank. Okay. Yeah, they have some, they have a lot of digital products, but you need to vet them before you start promoting them because a lot of them are kind of crappy. <laughs> so, Got it. Okay. Good. But um, usually share a sale and, and click and click, I'm uh, sorry, share a sale and commission junction are going to be probably your one and twos out there that are the biggest ones. And all those companies really do is, they will contract out the affiliate marketing part or affiliate programs that the businesses don't want to do. So, you know, a, a place that creates management of it, the management. Of yeah. The affiliate a place that creates um, golf apparel, you know, yeah. I know we're sticking on golf, but <laughs> a place that creates golf apparel, that's what they do. They make golf apparel. They're not right. 
marketers, right? They're not affiliates or whatever. So they might hire out ShareASale or Commission Junction to handle their affiliate programs for them. Yeah. And uh, that's essentially what you do. You go to these places, you can search for your niche. All of a sudden, you get a long list of companies that are associated with these places. And it's just within a couple of clicks, you can become an affiliate, get your link, and then put it onto your site where your traffic's coming in. Most affiliate programs don't cost anything, right? For the you shouldn't have up. to pay for an affiliate program. Right. If they are paying, if they're asking you to pay money to be part of their affiliate be program, I would run. Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> I would run the other direction. They're asking Something you to make kinda... them money. They want you to pay to make them money. Exactly. Yeah. Right. It doesn't make sense. But a lot of new affiliates, they do fall into those those traps. Right. And they're like, oh, I can make this much money with this and I can make that much money with that. Oh, let's go ahead and try it. Oh, I only got to pay 20 bucks a month. All right, let's do it. Right. Exactly. <laughs> Next thing you know. know. All right. So, well, it, Chris, I appreciate your time teaching us the I know your website's bloggerrevolution.com. Why don't you tell us about the podcast? Yeah, so the podcast is the same name as well, Blogger Revolution. Uh, I call it the Niche Website Show. Okay. So the Blogger Revolution, check that out. Um, it's we there. We talk about uh, blogging, affiliate marketing, uh, display ads, all of that fun stuff. The podcast is growing pretty well, so we're getting a little bit of an audience. Good. We're get, we're closing in on a hundred episodes, which is nice. awesome. Yeah. It's so um, I invite everyone to come on over. Yeah. Okay. So we'll put all those links in the show notes. We'll talk about it after. Make sure they're all in there. So we mentioned a lot of links today. And if you're out there, you know, you have a business. I don't care if it's brick and mortar, if it's an e-commerce business, whatever. You got to be putting out content. You got to be building an email list. You got to be doing all these things. And Chris is the expert. So follow him. Are you on LinkedIn? And uh, what uh, to follow yeah. you? LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram. I'm totally Instagram, probably uh, okay. Chris Miles official, you know, okay. so um, but if you go to bloggerrevolution.com, you'll nope, see everything. All the links are there. Yeah. Sounds good. All right, Chris, I can't thank you enough for coming. My first live guest we'll, <laughs> rose, we'll roll the closing credits and uh, we'll also get this thing up on the uh, director's fine a couple of days for people to listen to. Awesome. Thanks so much for having me, Mitch. This was really fun. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Accidental Entrepreneur. Opening and closing music written and performed by Howie Moscovich and Made to Order Music. For information about Howie and his music services, please follow the link in our show notes. If you like the podcast, please tell others about us. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, on Amazon Music, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and most of the other podcast directories. If you like what you hear, please leave us a five-star review and feel free to share our episodes on social media. If you have any questions or comments, ideas for the show, or you'd even like to appear as a guest, reach out to us by email at info at The Accidental Entrepreneur is hosted by Mitch Beinacker and produced by Beinacker Law. If you'd like to learn more about our business and legal services, you can find us on social media or visit our website at BeinackerLaw.com. Thanks for listening and be sure to subscribe to our feed to be notified of all future episodes.